The following audio is from Midtown Fellowship in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in becoming a part of our extended family, visit MidtownColumbia.com partner. Welcome to all of our, our guests that are here with us. We're very glad um, that you chose to worship with us here uh, this morning. Uh, we're about halfway through our series uh, that we're calling uh, Personal Liturgy. Uh, a liturgy is some type of routine or ritual, uh, oftentimes uh, used in church services to, to form and shape the people of God, that they, we will be more transformed into the image of God. In this series, we've been looking at our own personal liturgies, the things in our lives that we do on a consistent basis, day in and day out, uh, that actually shape us whether we know it or not. One of the phrases that we've been saying is the things you do, do things to you. Again, the things you do, do things to you. So we've been looking at uh, how do we go about structuring our lives in a way uh, that we pursue the type of spiritual health and growth that, that God has for us. And even what are some things that might be in our lives consistently that are, that are actually pulling us away from that. Um, so we've been identifying a few spiritual enemies that, that prevent us from thriving spiritually the way that God desires us to. Today, we'll be getting back into the spiritual enemy of self-reliance. Again, that is self-reliance. This, this, this idea uh, that we can go through life primarily relying on ourselves and not, and not living in constant reliance upon God himself. This is destructive to us spiritually. If you were here with us last week, we looked at the first part of the Lord's Prayer uh, where it says, Our Father in Heaven. And we talked about if, if our prayer lives are going to thrive the way that God desires for them to, we first understand that God is our loving Father, our forever Father, who is with us, who loves us perfectly and if we're going to, to pray in the way that Jesus calls us to, it starts with understanding that. But also, as we'll get into today, uh, if you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. So we said, you said in verse 9, uh, when, he, when he says, our Father in heaven, this is the posture and the disposition that we have when we go to God in prayer. After that, it tells us some very specific things that we are to be praying for. So again, verse 9 where it says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be, the, hallowed be your name. It's letting us know we, we approach as a, as a child, needy and desperate for our Father. And then in verse 10, it reads, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll spend the majority of our time today focusing on verse 10 in the Lord's Prayer. What does it mean that we pray his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First thing we need to understand is, is what exactly Jesus means when he, when he talks about a kingdom. Uh, I believe they would have they uh, heard and understood that a little bit differently than the way that we do currently. Uh, a kingdom uh, involves what I call two parts. A king and everything that that king rules over, right? That, that is the extent of the kingdom. So you, so you have the king, the one who's sovereign, the one who reigns, the one who, who dictates how life is done, how life is run in that territory. And the, the extent of that kingdom is the territory to which, through which that, king, that king's reign uh, reaches and extends to. Does that make sense? So how, however far that king's reign, that king's authority extends is the extent of that kingdom so to grow a kingdom then is to expand that territory where the king rules. And, and oftentimes, at this time, the, the kings, that was, that was oftentimes their primary goal. Uh, if you weren't struggling and just trying to protect what you had, then your primary goal was to expand your kingdom, to grow your kingdom as much as you could. 
And that's what that term kingdom come is actually referring to. It's, it's, it's saying, Lord, expand your kingdom to the point that your rule, your reign, your authority reaches to exactly where I am. That, 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 you're, that you're, we, we understand that life is better under your rule, so we want to see it grow and we want to see it come with power where, where we are. That term kingdom come oftentimes will be, uh, if anybody would say that term, it would be somebody who's likely living under a current regime and desiring for another kingdom to come because they have arrived at the conclusion that life will be better under the reign of a different king. So I would say the, the, the phrase kingdom come says, hey, hey, come, extend your reign to, to, to where I am, even though there's already an authority or a king or, or some type of government that is already set up here. What do you call it? Some of you have heard me say this before. What do you call it when there are two kings that are uh, vying for authority in the same territory? There's a word for it. War. war. When there are two kings that are, that, are, that are trying to gain authority over the same territory, it is, it is war. It is absolutely war. So this, this phrase, kingdom come, is, this is not, this, this is not a, 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 a peaceful phrase, so to speak. This is a, a phrase of war. It's saying there is already an established kingdom that is here. And I'm saying I want you to come in and overthrow the kingdom that is currently present because I've arrived at the conclusion that life is better under your rule and under your reign than under the reign that we are currently under. King, come and overthrow, come and, come and conquer any and all resistance to your rule in this area. It's a warfare term. Come and conquer any rebellion that would be against your rule. The words, your kingdom come, would be uttered by those that so desperately want a new king, so desperately want a new regime, that they're saying it is worth the price and cost and sacrifice of war for your kingdom to reign and rule here. I want to say that again. The phrase, your kingdom come, is, 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 is stated by those who, who so desperately want to see a new king in power or a new kingdom in authority. that They're saying it is worth the cost and sacrifice and loss of war because life is so much better under your reign and under your authority. Biblically speaking, there are two kingdoms, two domains currently in the earth they're at war with each other. The Bible refers to one as the kingdom of heaven. The Bible refers to the other as the kingdom of darkness. Ever since the first sin occurred, sin has in some ways reigned in our world. Sin has exerted power and force. Jesus says all who practice sin are enslaved to sin. He's saying that sin is not just something that we do. Sin is something that actually exerts power over people and controls and manipulates people. And that has been the case ever since the first sin by our first forefathers and our ancestors, I should say, Adam and Eve. And in any and all suffering and pain and hurt that has, been, that has been felt and suffered under in this world is a result of the domain of darkness coming and exerting its rule on the earth. Every manner of injustice that you've ever experienced or even heard about is a result of the kingdom of darkness ruling in the hearts of people. The Bible refers to the enemy or Satan as the, the, the king or the leader of this domain and this kingdom. The Apostle Paul calls this enemy the prince of the power of the air. Right? He, he's alluding to there, there's a reign and there is, there is an authority, a domain even, or a kingdom that is at place here. That's in Ephesians 2. In John chapter 12, he also refers to him as the ruler of this world. It's how Paul refers to Satan. 
Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 describes our conversion to Christianity in this way. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Again, Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. This is pointed out to us that everyone lives under the rule of one of these kingdoms. Right? Everyone lives and submits to the authority of one kingdom. It's either the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, or it is the kingdom of darkness. There, there, there is no in-between, and the two sides are at war with each other. Everyone bows down to either sin as king or to Christ as king. Becoming a Christian is to having placed faith in Christ and his perfect life, his, his crucifixion and his resurrection, it is to be taken out of submission to the kingdom of darkness after seeing Christ and how good he is and, and yielding ourselves and placing ourselves under the rule of Christ and our king. It's an exchange of our allegiance. Jesus exchanged his life for ours and, and was condemned in our place, and thus we exchange our allegiance from sin to him as a result of seeing his goodness and his love. We see the cross, we see the empty tomb, and we say that's the king that we want to follow. That's the king that I, that I want to submit to, that, that, I want to, uh, that I want to obey. He's the one that I will bow down to, the one who comes and dies for his people when they are his enemies. That is the king that I surrender to, that I give my worship to and my allegiance to. A Christian is one that after seeing what Christ has done now lives on the, under the conviction that under the rule of Jesus himself as king is where true life is found. That true life is, is truly found under his rule, in his kingdom, under his authority, and under his reign. So that's the desire of the Christians to see the kingdom of God come and grow and see the kingdom of darkness be destroyed. That, that's, that's the heart of the Christians is, is to hate everything that the kingdom of darkness has done in this world and to so love and to so admire Jesus as our king that we fight alongside our king against the kingdom of darkness. Everywhere we see the kingdom of darkness present, we see that as our enemy. We want to see it destroyed and brought down and conquered by our king, Jesus Christ. We see the kingdom of God, or we want to see, I should say, the kingdom of God conquering over the kingdom of darkness. Let me say this first, first in our own hearts, right? May we not be the ones that hate sin in other people's hearts more than we hate it in our own. May the first place that we want to fight against the kingdom of darkness and, and the reign of sin be in our own hearts and in our own lives, lest we become hypocrites that are, overly, that are, that are more concerned with how other people are living and whether others are submitting to the Lord than we are of ourselves. I think oftentimes when we think about joining God in his mission to push back the kingdom of darkness, we're oftentimes thinking outside of ourselves. We are oftentimes the first sin that comes to our minds are by those that, that, that are not us. But may we start the battle against the kingdom of darkness in our own hearts first. Let us not be those who, who make peace treaties with our own sin while, while, while looking to fight against the sin of others. May we be those who submit to our king starting right here. In our hearts, in our lives, God, where am I turning away from you? Where am I yielding to and submitting to the reign of sin in my own life? Christ, come and conquer that rebellion in me. So we, we want to see the kingdom of God conquer over the kingdom of darkness in our own hearts, but also in the lives of people we know. 
as a people who hate the kingdom of darkness, wherever it is, let us fight alongside our brothers and sisters in the faith. Let us fight for those who do not know Christ to come to know him. You know people in your life right now that you love whose lives are falling apart because of the reign of the kingdom of darkness in their lives. You know, you may, maybe you go to school with these people, maybe, maybe your neighbors, maybe they're in your family, maybe they live with you, maybe, maybe they're co-workers, maybe, maybe they're acquaintances that you know, the, the, the reign of sin, they're submitting to sin over and over again over extended periods of time has brought much pain and destruction into their lives. And the call for the Christian as, 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 as citizens and soldiers even of a new kingdom is that we will fight against it relentlessly. You have co-workers who, who their sin is ruining their marriage. You have people in your life group, if you're, if you're a member here, who, who have confessed sin to you that we should, as brothers and sisters, fight against. We have people in your life, in your life group, maybe, who are struggling with maybe sexual sin, maybe it's laziness, selfishness, doubting the promises of God, maybe it's gossip, envy, and jealousy in our own hearts. There is darkness that is at work in the people that we know, and as members of the kingdom of heaven, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are called to fight, that we will see his kingdom come, that we will fight against the domain and the rule of darkness and sin wherever it lies, wherever it lurks. We fight relentlessly, because we've seen the destruction that sin has caused in our world. We fight against the, the kingdom of darkness in our own lives. We fight against it in the lives of people we know, and we fight against it in the lives of people we don't know. People we've never met before. What he says is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think oftentimes our, our lives get gets so consumed with, with, with the people we know and the people we see consistently that, that our minds are often far from those who may be far from us. But in as every bit of desperate a situation as anyone else that we have, have we have ever met or we've ever come in contact with, the call of the Christian, the call of citizens of the kingdom of heaven is to fight against the kingdom of darkness in the earth. In our world, there is so much oppression and hurting and devastation. There's so much hatred and abuse and abandonment and betrayal, so much sin and rebellion against our God, so much hopelessness and agony and misery so much murder, so much injustice in our world. See, we've got to ask ourselves, do we even care about the suffering in the world for, for those who we don't even know? Are, are our hearts broken? Are we burdened to fight against the kingdom of darkness wherever it is? Whether that be Sudan or North Korea or China or anywhere all over the globe. There's so many who are suffering, so many who are downtrodden under the reign of sin or because of the reign of sin, I should say, in our world. I think some of you are like me. My first thought is I think about all the problems in the world, all the injustices, all the, all the lack of worship of the true God. My first thought is, well, what can I do? How, what, how, how can I act? Right? Like, like how, how can I fix this? Is there something I can, can I have an encouraging conversation with somebody? Like, what, what, what can I do? Maybe, maybe I need to preach better. Maybe I need to do a better job of just being a Christian. I'm generally quicker to say, what can I do to help? Then, God, your kingdom come. God, you bring healing. God, you bring salvation here. When I was going through all the different problems that, you, uh, that I was talking about, that, we, that you may know about with your friends or, or within yourself, was your first thought what you could do to serve them? 
Was your first thought how, how you can talk to them, maybe about God, or was your first thought how can you talk to God about them? God calls us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't get me wrong, it's, it's not wrong for us to serve. It's obviously good for us to serve, for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But if that is always where our mind goes first to, to our direct actions, to the things that we are supposed to do, our self-reliance is revealing itself. That we would look more so to our actions than the actions of God is revealing that this, this self-reliance has sunk its teeth in us extremely deeply. Extremely deeply. If we don't immediately think when we are overwhelmed by the problems in this world, if we don't immediately think, man, I need to pray. Our self-reliance is, is showing. It, is, it, it runs deep in us. Yes, we fight against the kingdom of darkness, but we fight on our knees. We fight in prayer. Jesus says, you pray in the kingdom of God. You pray in the reign of God. We pray, our Father, which art in heaven, your kingdom come. Right? Saying, our Father, you're, you're, you're in heaven, you reign. your kingdom come here. Your will be done here in the earth. We fight by pleading with God. We engage in this spiritual warfare by pleading with God that his, he will bring his kingdom with power, that his will will be done in the earth the same way that it is in heaven. Just as in heaven, everyone worships the one true God and finds true hope and true love and true peace in him. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done right here in my neighborhood, in my community, just as it is in heaven. That just as in heaven, all are taken care of, all are cared for. Lord, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. The self-reliant one begins by thinking about what they can do or what they can and will do if they act. The God-reliant one begins by thinking about what God can and will do if we pray. So we pray for God's kingdom to come in our hearts. When we see the kingdom of darkness in our hearts, when we see ourselves not trusting God as we should, when we see ourselves yielding to temptations and sinful desires, when we see ourselves, when we see ourselves not finding joy in the Lord, not, not being excited and joyful about worshiping the Lord, when we see ourselves not standing in awe of God and his goodness, we pray the kingdom into our own hearts. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. In my heart. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my thought life, Lord, in my actions, in my day-to-day routines, in my life. Lord, you reign in those things. We want to see you reign in my thought life, that I would think the way that you call me to think, that you would reign in my day-to-day routines and in my actions, Lord, that your, that your will would exert itself over every bit of resistance that I have, every bit of rebellion that I have against you, Lord. Conquer that in my life and draw me to you. Jesus is a king. That conquers, I don't know if I was turning up too much <laughs> up here. Hope we'll need Kev to sing in this next one. We are in a spiritual battle every day of our lives. When the prayer is your kingdom come, when Jesus Christ is king is coming and bringing his kingdom and growing it in the earth every single day, that means every single day, every moment of our lives is war. We have a real enemy who wants to see his kingdom grow in our hearts, who wants to see us continue to submit to sin in our lives. And we have a real king who conquers, who says no, who says, I'm going to bring my kingdom and I'm going to grow my kingdom. Every day is war and we fight on our knees.
and we fight in prayer. And we pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. Lord, help me to submit to you as my king. That I wouldn't see myself as my king. That I wouldn't see anybody else as my king. That I wouldn't see my own desires, my own preferences as my king, but I would see you as my king, and I would humbly submit and bow at your feet. God, your kingdom come in my life, in my heart, to try to, as a Christian, engage in this fight for growth, to try to engage in this fight against sin without going to him in prayer, is foolishly arrogant. It is foolishly arrogant that we as Christians who, who, who profess that our desire, our goal is to destroy and crush any idol in our life and submit truly to him and then not go to him in prayer, the only one who can actually conquer our own sinfulness, it's foolish. It's arrogant. We go, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. We pray for God's kingdom to come in the lives of people we know. The people we know who who we're seeing their lives being brought destruction by the kingdom of darkness. We see people yielding to sin. We see people who are in, in extreme and severe amounts of suffering. We see people who are struggling in many different ways with so much depression, so much anxiety, so, so, so much turmoil in life. We pray the kingdom into their lives. Whether they're followers of Jesus or not, we pray the kingdom and we spend our time on our knees going to war for our brothers and sisters in the faith. For anyone that we know, whether they're a believer or not, we fight for them on our knees. We fight for them by ourselves when we come together and pray together, pray the kingdom of God come Come, Lord, life is better under your rule. Lord, we've seen what it looks like to to try to live outside of your rule. These these people, my friends, the ones that I know, the ones that I love, Lord, we need to see your kingdom grow. We need to see the kingdom of darkness crushed and destroyed. Would you bring your kingdom? Would your kingdom come? Your will be done. When I see people uh, in, in my life that I just see struggling with sin, not even desiring to worship God, not, not, whose hearts have been hardened oftentimes to the Lord, my, my first thought is often, how can I encourage them? How, how can I go serve them? What, what, what can I share with them? What scripture can I share with them? My, my self-reliance has me thinking about my actions first. My actions first. Jesus says, you pray in the kingdom. You pray in the kingdom. There is a king who is able to conquer the kingdom of darkness and promises that he will and has conquered the kingdom of darkness. We pray to him. We don't trust in our works. We trust in his. We pray the kingdom into our lives. We pray the kingdom into the lives of people we know. And we pray God's kingdom to come in the lives of people we don't know. People we've never met. People all over the earth. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Oftentimes, I think our prayer lives look like or are treated as if it says, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life and in the lives of people I know. The way we pray is, is, is as if we, that is what God primarily calls us to do. But there is so much brokenness and darkness in every corner of our world. There are people groups, entire people groups, who have never heard the gospel of Jesus, who have not been reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
who've never heard of the hope that we have in him. It's not, not just that they've rejected, but have never even been told about it. There's unthinkable violence and hatred and fear and oppression and hopelessness in our world, all over the world, all over the world. The kingdom of darkness is doing harm seemingly everywhere, and so we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this to him because he's the only one powerful enough, the only one strong enough, the, the only one wise enough, the only one actually able to defeat the kingdom of darkness that we see. Hebrews 2, chapter 14, and we'll focus on the second part of the verse, says this. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook in the same thing. So he's saying since us as the children of God have flesh and blood, Jesus came and put on flesh and blood as well. This is the part we'll focus on. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. I'm going to read that second part again. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. He's saying that Jesus actually destroyed and crushed his enemy, Satan, through death. Death being the thing that Satan wills over us. And he wills as the leader of the kingdom of darkness because sin has come in. Death is one of our biggest enemies, one of the things that we hate and despise the most that causes so much grieving, so much mourning. He's saying that what Jesus does, he comes in and actually uses the enemy's weapon against him. That he actually uses death to defeat him. That, that after he lived a perfect life, that we could not live, and when he died on the cross, even though he, he tasted death, it's as if he, he spit it back out and used it to defeat Satan himself. He's saying our king will even turn our enemy's biggest weapon against him to defeat him. That is how powerful and sovereign he is. Through the cross and the empty tomb, when he died for the sins of the world, offering forgiveness and life and victory to all who believe in him, he crushed darkness under his feet. Through his death, the one who was able to do that, the one who was able to use your, your enemies, arguably his biggest weapon against him, that's the one you go to when you see darkness in this world. The one who has already triumphed over the kingdom of darkness, the one who lived a perfect life, sinless, right, never lived under the reign of sin and then died and used the very uh, weapon of the enemy against him, that's who you go to. When you're overwhelmed by the darkness in this world, that's who you go to and that's the only one you go to. He's the only one you go to. He has displayed his power over sin. He's displayed his power over death and over the enemy, that he would destroy his enemy with his own weapon. When you see problems in this world, when you see sin in your own life, in the life of people you know, when you see the kingdom of darkness all over this world, you go to him and you pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't trust in our own abilities. That's foolishness. We don't, we, don't, we don't trust in our ability to articulate the gospel, right? We don't, we, don't, we don't trust in our ability to share God's word. We trust in his power that is at work in and through his people, and we pray the kingdom in. And then we go and work and love as he has called us to. Prayer leads the mission. Prayer is not secondary, right? It's not that once, once we've done everything that we know to do, now we're going to go pray. No, prayer is what we know to do. Prayer is the thing that we know to do. It's not that after we've gotten frustrated and the things that we're trying are not working, okay, now I guess I should try prayer. No, prayer is, prayer is our means. Prayer is what we run to first. 
And don't get me wrong, it's, it's extremely important that we go about serving as Christ has called us to and fighting against the kingdom of darkness, sharing the love of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in word and deed. But just so we're clear, God grows his kingdom. God grows his kingdom. God builds his kingdom. It is his power, it is by his authority that the kingdom of God grows and the kingdom of darkness is destroyed. He builds his kingdom. We go to him and we plead to him. As a church, one of the things that we've always tried to do uh, is just be about his business, be about his work here in this neighborhood that we're in right now. Right? We've done various outreaches. We've done quite a few different things to try to engage with people. Something we, we try to consistently do, but let's be very clear. Let's be very, very, very clear. Prayer is to be the fuel of it all. Of every, any effort that we have ever put into joining God in his mission to see those who don't know him come to him, prayer leads out in the mission. We lead with prayer, and then we go and serve as he has called us to. It's not a, prayer is not a secondary means of fighting against the kingdom of darkness. It is not a last resort. It is primary. It is the number one option. It is what we do. No matter how we feel about it, everything we do, we pray first, we pray during, we pray after. God grows his kingdom. We beg him to do it, and then we partner with him in what he is doing. There's a a passage in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 through 38 that just used to trip me up. Matthew 9, 37 through 38, just to give you a little bit of context, Jesus is going by doing his normal ministry thing. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. Normal, normal Tuesday stuff for Jesus, right? Just, just. He sees this group of people. He said they're harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, and it says that he has compassion for them. So his heart starts breaking. He says, he, says the, 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 he sees all the, um, I guess, a, a congregation, the crowds of people, and his heart is broken because they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. That's what he says in his disciples in verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. First thing he said is the problem. There's, the, the harvest is plentiful. There are so many people who need to hear the good news. There are so many people who we need to be able to minister to, but there's not a lot of people laboring. And if you're like me, you think the next thing he's going to say, so come on, guys, get out there and do it. Come on, guys, go preach. Go cast out some demons. Go heal some people. Go. That's not what he says. Verse 38, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. He sees the problem. He says there's more work to be done than there is people that we have to go do the work. So he doesn't tell his disciples to go work harder. He doesn't tell his disciples to go do more. He tells his disciples to go pray to the Lord of the harvest. That he will send out laborers into his harvest. It's so opposite of what I was thinking that he was, he was going to do, but it's so beautiful at the same time because it shows that he's control, in control over every aspect of it, over every aspect. He doesn't just say, go pray that people will come to know me. He says, go pray to God that can actually send more people into the, the harvest. But he, he controls it this in a multifaceted way. He's even able to mobilize people to lay down their lives for the mission of God. If you have a harvest field that you want to see people go and serve through the power of the Holy Spirit in, pray for laborers. Pray for more laborers. Any type of work that just feels, feels like it's too much, it feels like it's, it's overwhelming. You, yes, pray for the people that you want to do ministry to or you want to minister to, but also pray for laborers to the harvest. As a church, as I was saying before, as we desire to do ministry in, in this neighborhood, 
My hope is that we wouldn't just pray for the people that we're seeking to minister to, but that we would pray for more laborers to join us. We would pray for him to send laborers into his harvest field. I would love to see us praying things like, God, send, that, send us, send 200 sold-out laborers into the harvest field of inner city two-notch. Lord, raise up 200, raise up a whole team, raise up an army of laborers that will lay our lives down, that we will lay our lives down together for your purposes in this community, for your mission. One thing I try to do, I try to pray for specific areas in the inner city too much. One of my prayers after studying through this is, God, would you, would you send up 100 laborers equipped and empowered by your Holy Spirit to the colonies up there on Beltline? A hundred just for the colonies. I, I, my desire, this, this, this prayer of your kingdom come is a big, massive prayer that we will boldly go to the throne of God and ask for things that we can't even imagine seeing him do and trust that he works through the prayers of his people. God, would you give every one of us in this room more of a passion to see our community transformed through the power of the gospel? God, your kingdom come, your will be done right here in Pinehurst as it is in Heaven, would love to see us as a church grow and just approaching our king with huge prayers. Prayers that just make you be like, I have no idea how we would ever do that. That's the type of prayer you bring to a king. That's the type of prayer you bring to an almighty king. God, I have no idea how you would do this. God, we want, would you send labor to every inner city community in, in and along Two-Notch Road for your glory? You want to see us pray huge prayers, obviously, of course, not just for inner city two notch, but around the world as well. For those that we don't know, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth. One thing I pray, God, would you destroy the sex trafficking industry in our world? Will you bring it to his knees and crush it under your feet? Your kingdom come all over this world. Mobilize us as your followers. Send us out as laborers, Lord. Every, every believer, Lord, who doesn't embrace the mission that you are calling us to, every mission who's not willing to lay down, every Christian who's not willing to lay down our lives for your kingdom, God, would you conquer that rebellion in our hearts and send us out as your laborers into the harvest? And obviously, Father, your kingdom come in my heart. God, I know I'm going to be tempted to turn away and run from you. God, I know I'm going to be tempted to not sacrifice the things that you are calling me to sacrifice for you. Lord, help me to stay in submission to you today. Lord, when I I, I go to work with the way that I treat people, the way that I conduct myself, with the way I'm faithful on my job to the responsibilities that I have, God, would you reign and rule in my life? Would you have your way? Would you crush under your feet any rebellion that I have against what you are calling me to do this day? You can start your day off like that. You can start your day off with that prayer. Lord, in my thought life today, would you help me to, to think in the way that you would have anything, anything that you don't want me to dwell on in my thoughts? Lord, would you, would you crush every desire that I have to meditate on things that you wouldn't have me to meditate on and that I would meditate on the things that you do have for me to meditate on today? In my life, in the life of people I know, Lord, I got this brother in my life group. His heart just seems to be getting increasingly hard towards you, God. my, My heart breaks for him, Lord, but your kingdom come in such a strong and powerful way that you soften his heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. Lord, would your kingdom come with power? Lord, would you conquer all his resistance? Lord, as a sister in my life group, she's finding it hard to trust you with your plan for her life. 
So she worries so, so much about her future and about what it's going to be because she doesn't trust you to be in control. God, would you help her to see you as her good king who is in control, the one that you can trust? Would you help her to see that life under your authority is where life is truly found and that she can trust you? Lord, I notice this relationship between two members of our church. God, it seems like there's, there's bitterness that's festering there, and it seems like the enemy wants to use it to bring division in your body. God, would you bring your kingdom with power even over their relationship? Lord, that they will both see and acknowledge their sin and turn to you and repent. Would you reign in their lives? Would you reign in their relationship? Would you restore that friendship to the way that it was? God, only you can do this. Lord, in my friend's marriage, I see both of them run into sin over and over again. It's destroying their marriage. Lord, would your kingdom come in their lives, in their home, in their marriage, Lord, that they would submit everything to you. That the way that they handle the good times will be glorifying and honoring to you in the way that you call them. The way that they handle the difficult times, Lord, be glorifying to you and honoring to you, Lord. Would you heal and save their marriage? I thought it would only be fitting in a message about praying to God that his kingdom will come. That we just take a little bit of time to pray as we conclude. That we take time to pray specifically about God's kingdom coming in our hearts, God's kingdom coming in the lives and the hearts of those we know, and God's kingdom coming in the lives of those that we don't know. That we will pray bold prayers fit to an almighty king. When I ask you to take some time, feel free, if you got the bulletin, you can write some, feel free to take some notes on the, on the bulletin that we have there. If you have a journal you want to pull out, feel free to do that as well. I want to go ahead and practice as God's people going to him, going to our king. God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to be able to put some prompts up here on the screen behind me just to remind you of things we can be praying through and praying for. The first one will be your kingdom come in my heart. The question is, where do you notice that you rebel against God's will in your life? And pray that he would lovingly conquer your rebellion. The second one is your kingdom come in the lives of those I know. Where have you seen the kingdom of darkness bringing destruction to the lives of those you know and love. Pray for God's will to be done in their lives. I'm asking you to pray specifically for people by name. The third one is your kingdom come in the lives of those I don't know. Pray for people in this neighborhood and all over the world that you've never met to come to know Jesus. And pray for God to bring relief to suffering all over the world. I'm going to pray for a second. We're just going to create some space for us to spend some time going to the Father. Relying on Him, not relying on ourselves. And we'll We'll come back up and we'll, we'll uh, partake in communion together after I have a little bit of time to pray. I'll, I'll start our time off just by praying. Lord, we, we need you so much, Lord. We tend to rely on ourselves. Lord, I know there's so many of us, myself included, Lord, that, that our first thought is to act. Our first thought is to go and do something and try to fix it on our own. God, would you remind us of your power? Would you remind us of your, of your love? Would you remind us? that we should pray your kingdom in, that we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, we thank you for being just our loving Father who answers our prayers and who is here with us, able to conquer the kingdom of darkness. It's in Jesus' name I pray.